All right, Isaiah chapter 40. The book of the prophet Isaiah. Before we read, we're just going to read verses 27 to 31. In fact, before we do that, come with me to the throne of grace. Father, please help us as we open up your holy word. Father, we completely depend upon your grace and your help. Father, that you would speak to us. And that, Father, you would build us up upon our most holy faith in Christ. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, Hezekiah was the king in Judah. Uh, just a little history of where we're at. This is after the Assyrians came and put a siege on the city. It's when uh, the king Sennacherib sought to overrun um, Judah in Jerusalem. And it's one of those wonderful places of the word of God where Hezekiah went and basically spread his, that note that came from, uh, from Rabshakeh actually before the Lord. And the Lord told um, the prophet Isaiah to tell Hezekiah he's not going to shoot one arrow at the city. And they turned him around and they went back and it was uh, a great host of the Assyrians died. It was after that that Hezekiah was told by the prophet Isaiah, set your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah wept before the Lord, and the Lord saw his tears and knew his heart. And Hezekiah was a good king, and God said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. So he was healed of, of the, the sore that he had. And then it was right after that that the Babylonians came, and Hezekiah showed him everything in the treasuries, everything in the temple. And Isaiah said, who were those men, and what did they want to see? And he told him, and so Isaiah said, uh, it won't be in your days, but the Chaldeans or Babylon will come and will carry away your sons captive, and they will be servants and eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon, and they, they're basically going to destroy the city. So that's where we're at now in Isaiah chapter 40. Um, let's read the text. This is at the end of chapter 40. is a wonderful chapter. He just finishes telling Hezekiah about this captivity that will come in Israel's near future. In chapter 40, he tells him of wonderful tidings that will happen in Israel's distant future from that time. Of course, they didn't know that. Uh, but the prophecy and promises that Isaiah told Hezekiah would be some six or seven hundred years in the future. And they would be the prophecy of the Messiah. Some of the most wonderful promises in all of the word of God. But look at verse 27 of that chapter. You read, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord. Why do you say that, basically? And my judgment is passed over from my God. Verse 28, hast thou, not, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? Have you not heard that? Or don't you know that? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, 
and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, the people of Israel trying to process this after Hezekiah is told that they're going to be taken captive. And let me just read the first few verses of chapter 40 because here's the comfort that Isaiah brings in after he tells Hezekiah that they're going to be conquered by Babylon. Verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. That is, it's ended. Her service is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now that's not double jeopardy. What he's saying here is she is going to receive a double blessing. And so he's speaking in the present, but he's actually speaking of what would happen in the future. And then you know verse 3 speaks of John the Baptist, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it. That is the Messiah. This is a prophecy of what would be the best of Israel's times when their Lord would visit them in the flesh. So all the, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Look at verse 9. He says there, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord will come with strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Those are some of the most wonderful prophecies that could ever come into the ears of the people of Israel. But beloved, these promises, again, were written probably some 700 years before they would happen. Now, does that mean that the promise wasn't real and that the promise would happen? No, that doesn't mean that. The promise was real. And let me bring this to front and center in our own Christian lives. We don't like waiting. We don't like waiting. Beloved, much of our daily Christian life every day for you and for me is defined by living and walking by faith and in obedience to God. It is lived by daily seeking his presence and communing with God in prayer. And then every day patiently waiting upon God and listen to me, simply trusting and believing 
God in what he has taught us in his word and then waiting upon him. Doesn't mean we sit there and do nothing. We wait upon him. We trust him. We anticipate God's presence in our lives and we expect God's presence in our lives. It's the last part of what I said that is so difficult for us and it's the waiting part. The prophet Isaiah had told Israel of a promise that would happen in their future. Every human that was living in this time did not see that promise, but the promise we know came to pass. Beloved, we don't like to wait. But brethren, this is where we must trust our God and be patient in what he has taught us and to believe him and to know that he knows what's best for us. As time continues and we watch things getting worse all around us, Sometimes we watch things getting worse right in our presence, very close to us. We see the wicked sinning with impunity in our land. We see the boldness and rebellion that they have against God. And if that's what we focus on, we will become cast down. We will become weary. It seems, I think, in this prophecy that there were many unbelievers in that time in Israel. In fact, we know Paul said they were not all of Israel that are of Israel. So they were not all true believers, but there were true believers in Israel in that time. And God was, God didn't want them to focus, beloved, on what would come. He wanted his people to focus on what would be and of that promised Messiah. Listen, um, as difficult as it may be at times, we must look away from the wickedness and the sin that is all around us. And sometimes it's very difficult to do that. We must look away from those things. And we must set our affection, our spiritual sight on things above. In the midst of this chaotic world, beloved, we need to be able to take our eyes off of what's happening around us, of those things that would daunt our faith, of those things that would make us doubt the promises of God, and we need to set our affection on things above. We need to actually look at the things that we can't see. And we need to look at the things, not look at the things that we can see. Because listen, to live by sight as a Christian and not by faith is to put yourself on the precipice of fainting spiritually. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. Chapter 4 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians 4.15. Listen, Isaiah prophesied to the people of something that they could not see. Beloved, we believe many promises that we cannot see. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, before we read this text, Paul tells the Ephesians, you have been blessed past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's real. You have been adopted into the family of God. That's real. Now, you can't see those things, but, beloved, you are called to believe those things. You have been made accepted in the beloved. That same chapter talks about. You have been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so, beloved, those are real, tangible truths and promises that have been given to each of you in Christ. You can't see them. But, beloved, we 
behold them in the word and we believe them by faith. Here, Paul writes, for all things are for your sakes, verse 15, chapter 4, for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. We don't lose heart in the circumstances of our lives. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now notice verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen. Now he doesn't mean we don't look at things that are seen. Of course we look at things that are seen. We don't fix ourselves on things that are seen. But we fix our hearts and minds on things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're transient. They're temporary. They're passing away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And listen, the, really the heart and soul of this message is spiritual strength and that we would not faint in our Christian lives. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 18. Paul says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be re revealed in us. For the earnest expectation, or it means the longing of the creature, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now he's talking about a yearning, an earnest expectation that every one of us should have in us because we have the Spirit of God. Notice, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now we look for that. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Why? Because of sin. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's you, child of God, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees... Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Listen, beloved, if you and I are not groaning like this, like this, like what, Paul's, what Paul is telling us here, if we're not waiting for the redemption of our bodies, then something is wrong with us. If we don't experience this groaning, this earnest desire to be with Christ, then something is going amiss with us. That's when thoughts of doubt and unbelief will begin to arise from within us instead of this good expectation and this good groaning, which should be in us all. We should groan to be 
clothed upon with Christ, beloved, and be with him forever in heaven. That's what we should be groaning for in this life. We should all desire that. We should all be experiencing this. Listen, groaning by faith with the hope and expectation of eternal life will keep you from fainting in the chaos of the world. Beloved, we need to have our hearts fixed upon heaven and upon heavenly things. Now back to Isaiah. We started in verse 27 with a question that the Lord asks the people. It opens with a question to the people of Isaiah's day, and really it's a rebuke to them. It's a reproof because of their faithlessness and unbelief toward God, toward what they had just heard. Look at it. He says, Why sayest thou? So you remember a few weeks ago we talked about things that we say? Listen, out of the heart we speak. From the abundance of the heart, that's when it comes out. So our tongues betray us. Our tongues tell others who we are. And so here, Isaiah says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, saying... The word saying is not there, but it's implied. This is what they say. My way is hid from the Lord. It's like the Lord doesn't see me. The Lord doesn't see us. And my judgment is passed over from my God. So they spoke here. After they heard these wonderful promises, they spoke as if God did not care for them. That he had cast them off. And that their words, their words revealed that they had already arrived at their own faulty conclusions about the mind and judgment of God toward them. But beloved, we know that God had not cast them off. They had, they had, God had not cast them off. Instead, they had disregarded God's promises that were just told them by Isaiah in this 40th chapter. Their words revealed the unbelief that was in their hearts toward God. Listen, they had just been given some of the most wonderful promises from God. I think of verses 9 to 11. Those are wonderful promises of the Messiah that would come. The one that spoke to them, and we didn't read this part, but look at verse 22. The one that spoke to them was he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. That's amazing. That's amazing. But they did not hear them. They did not hear what the, what the Lord had said unto them. I wonder so often how much of what God tells us do we hear? How much do we listen to? And I'm talking about just you all by yourself in your study, in your closet, when you read your word, how much of what God is telling you do you hear from him? It's like when you get to verse 27, the people hadn't heard anything and they were like to faint. And Isaiah even reproves them in the middle of chapter 40 about, he says, he asked them twice, to whom will you liken me? In other words, who am I like? And he, he, he casts out this idea that he was an, a dumb idol that could be carved. And he talks about that. And he says, you can't liken me to that. And this is what he tells them. I am he that sits upon the circle of the earth. He says, and the inhabitants of the earth are as grasshoppers. I am he that stretches out the heavens and like a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. It's an amazing thing. Beloved, what a terrible thing when God speaks and we don't hear. 
And listen, I'm speaking to me today, beloved, when we, when we open up the Word of God, when we come to the preaching of God's Word, how much of it do we hear? How much of it do we heed? How much of it do we listen? Listen, if you want to diagnose why you may be fainting spiritually, this is it. You're not looking to Christ. You're not listening to his word. You might be reading the word every day faithfully. You might be devoting yourself to the word. But if you're not hanging on the promises of God, and if you're not growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you're stunted in that one place, you're not listening. You're not listening. These wonderful promises that Isaiah told the people of God, they did come to pass. Just as God promised. Beloved, if you will be strengthened in your faith in Christ, if you would not faint or be wearied in your Christian life, you need to be actively taking hold of God's word and God's promises by faith. And you must continue to believe them through every trial and affliction of your life. While you wait with great expectation for the promise and hope of eternal life, which God, which cannot lie, promised before the world began. Beloved, these are very simple things to think about. But beloved, if we would not faint in our spiritual lives and faint in our souls and our Christian lives with what God calls us to, which, with what God calls each of us to, beloved, we must simply believe God. And wait upon him. Listen, your eternal inheritance is coming. That's enough that ought to keep you. Your eternal heaven inheritance, as Peter says, it's reserved in heaven for you. That's a done deal. Beloved, that should keep you pressing forward toward the kingdom of God. Paul wrote to the Romans, we should be rejoice, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Romans 12, 11, I think that is. Man, that's one verse. You could hang on that verse and use that each day. Listen, you must not lose hope in God's promises. I think that's what happened to the people of Israel in Isaiah's day. You must not lose hope in God's promises. To do so is to lose hope in God. To look at God's promises and to not be encouraged, to not be to not well up with joy in your soul. It's to, to doubt God, beloved. It's to lose hope in God. And if that happens, you will faint in the day of adversity. Listen, to just read the word of God like a textbook and not to live the word of God and not to commune with God and struggle with God in prayer, beloved, and not to meditate upon the truths of God and trust his promises. When the adversity comes, you'll faint. Proverbs says, if thou faintest in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Thy strength is small. Beloved, in Christ, we are to have a great strength. But it is not a strength that we possess in and of ourselves. We must have that strength. We must have that strength that is alien to us, that God gives to us. And listen, the, the way God teaches us this, the way God teaches us not to faint, is he brings us to the point of dependence on him and when we're about to faint. Listen, if you would have the kingdom of Christ on that day when Jesus returns, you must take it with violence and by force today. 
today and every day in your life. If you would not faint in this chaotic and wicked world, you must consistently be feeding on God's holy word. You must eat it up and digest it, and you must receive of the spiritual nutrients of the word. Jesus said man doesn't live by bread only, but by every word of God. Beloved, you need God's word to live. It's the life of your soul. Beloved, if you scratch away everything about you, your soul is all that's left, beloved. And your soul needs to be built up, beloved. Your soul needs to be built up. Why were God's people in Israel speaking such words of fainting and unbelief towards God? Same reason why we do now. Because we simply don't believe God. We simply don't believe Him. And we don't trust His Word. We don't trust His promises. Listen, so often we are too busy, like so many, trying to pridefully handle everything in our lives ourselves. We look to ourselves so often, trusting in ourselves, and we ignore God's promises. We ignore God's Word. We disregard God, and we don't ask Him. And when we do that, beloved, we faint. Look at verse 26. You're right there, Isaiah 40. I didn't read verse 26. He says, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things? He tells the people of Israel that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might for he that is strong in power, not one faileth. And so, Beloved, look at verse 28. Of course, there's that question of unbelief from the people of Israel. In verse 28, he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. And this is where we need to be right here in verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, that waiting upon the Lord means they that look to God for in, in their hope and expectation, you look to God for every moment of your life. You might think, how is that possible? Beloved, if it's possible, I want it. Beloved, that we live every moment of our lives asking God questions about everything. Should I go this way, Lord? Should I do this now, Lord? Speak to me in thy word, Lord. I don't understand, Lord. Help me, Lord. Beloved, that's how our lives should be every moment of every day. Listen, they that wait upon the Lord because of what they hope for and anticipate in him. Do you anticipate God? Do you expect God in your life? Look at 41.10. Just turn over. Let me encourage you with a few other passages. Isaiah 41.10. Next page. He says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Well, that's a promise, isn't it? I will strengthen thee. I'm weak, Lord. I'm about to faint. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now look at Psalm 84. 
Turn over to Psalm 84. I think Randy referred to this psalm the other day. Psalm 84 and verse 1. How amiable, how lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Now listen to the heart of the psalmist. And listen, part of trusting God, part of believing God, part of being strengthened by God, is longing for God. Notice, my soul longeth. And here's a good fainting. My soul even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. You don't want to faint out in the world? Faint for the courts of the Lord. Faint when you can't make it here. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. This is, this is the grassroots, rubber meets the road Christian life. Notice, and I, I imagine the psalmist being there in the tabernacle and seeing a sparrow. I love to see sparrows just because of what God says about them in the word of God. Not one falls to the ground without your father. No doubt the psalmist saw a sparrow building a nest in the tabernacle. And he said, look at that. The sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, now blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Like the sparrow, like the swallow, they will still be praising thee. See law. Verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca, which was a destitute place, this man who is blessed of the Lord, who has been strengthened by the Lord, he passes through a desert, desolate place. It's even called a valley of weeping, and he makes it a well. He makes it a well-watered place. And the rain also filleth the pools. And in verse 7, this ought to be your Christian life, beloved. ought to be all of us. They go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Beloved, that's your Christian life. Going from strength to strength. It's like the Christian growth cycle in Romans chapter 5. Tribulation work of patience. Patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And so, so we go through that growth cycle and so we are going from strength to strength. It's not our strength. It's the strength of our God, beloved. Psalm 73, you know that passage. Just two verses in Psalm 73. He says, who am I? Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but thee? This is the cry of a man who loves God. Whom have I in heaven but thee? I don't care if Uncle Joe's there. I don't care if Aunt Jane's there. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth. Faileth can mean faints or fainteth. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and God is my portion forever. 
Beloved, this is the Christian life. Beloved, this is how we walk the Christian life without fainting. Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verse 13. I read the story of a soldier who was trapped by enemy inside of the inside of Iraq during the Desert Storm War and he recited these two verses. He prayed these two verses, verse 13 and 14. And beloved, this is us. This is the Christian life. Notice it's he didn't faint. He says, "I had fainted. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He would have fainted if he didn't believe that he would see God in the future whom he hadn't seen yet. I had fainted unless I had believed. There it is right there. Unless I had believed. Beloved, believe God. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And there's that word, wait. Listen, how long? In his time, God makes all things wonderful and beautiful. In God's time, he is going to help you, dear child of God. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. You may be weak right now. You may not have the strength right now, but wait on the Lord and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Just one verse, Psalm 25 and verse 5. The psalmist said, lead, he says, lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Listen, we need to wait upon God constantly. To wait upon God, to anticipate God's presence. Do you know what it means to anticipate His presence? Like you don't know what to do, and then, beloved, this is the hard part. We just need, we need to trust God. Lord, I, I need you to help me, Father. And then we walk in the light of what He has taught us in His Word. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto to my path. Lord, help me as I walk forward. Teach me. O oh Lord. And then 1 Peter 5.10. Just two New Testament references. 1 Peter 5.10. Of course, Peter talks about the soberness and vigilance that we must have because of our adversary before this, the devil. He walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen, for that, you need to, you need to be able to resist him steadfast in the faith. You need to be able to believe God. Forget about fighting him all by yourself. Forget about your own strength. You need to resist him steadfastly in the faith of Christ knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory, but not yet. But do you believe that? Beloved, that very fact right there ought to undergird us and help us to rejoice 
in the God of our salvation, the God of all grace, who hath called us. Listen, if he's called you, he's going to bring you. He has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered literally a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And finally, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, just three verses. Hebrews 12, 1. The writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all of those dear saints who live their lives by faith in Hebrews 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Patience, brethren. Not looking in the world, but looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's going to complete that which he started in you. What a precious promise. He's going to finish it. He's the beginner of it, of your faith. He's the finisher of it. He's going to be right there when your life ends or when he returns. He's going to finish that work which he has begun in you. He says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Beloved, I'll end where I started. Much of our Christian life is defined by believing God's word walking by faith and obedience to his word, or believing God, rather, walking by faith and obedience to God, and by patiently waiting upon God by faith to fulfill his promises in us. Remember that last verse, Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. They shall be strengthened. They shall go from strength to strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not be faint. Beloved, trust this truth. It's a truth given to the people of Israel in Isaiah's day. It's a truth given to you that you can take hold of into your Thursday if the Lord doesn't return tonight. So I pray that God would help each of us, beloved, to not be weary in well-doing. To not be weary in the business of our Father. Listen, we get faint. I know, we get weary. And you know what? The diagnosis of my fainting and my weariness is always I'm fixed upon what's happening down here rather than what's up there. My affections are not set in heaven where they should be. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Lord, please help us, Father, to live this Christian life. Father, help us, O God, to trust you, Father, to believe your word, Father, to walk in thy truth. Oh God, I pray that you would help each one of us as your saints and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>